Welcome into the Ioana Inquirer podcast, and as most people had off during the weekend, as Bill Belichick likes to say, no days off when it comes to covering recruiting and football recruiting. Man, it felt like everybody in the country was recruiting over the weekend and, uh, and getting commitments, and all of a sudden, Illinois adds two more commitments, but they do miss out on one potential headliner in the class of 2022. So we're going to focus on the football side today with Ryan Easterling. Tomorrow, we'll chat with Derek Piper about the latest basketball commitment, Sincere Harris. But Ryan Easterling, two new Illini commitments. I guess we're up to 13, so you can call it Bielema's Baker's Dozen, I guess, at this point. But uh, this You got the headline ready. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I didn't even go. have that ready, but <laughs> it just came to my head. Um, These things just write themselves. That's right. Uh, so we got 13 commitments in the class of 2022 for Illinois, and we're really starting to check off some needs. We've got actually a couple of defensive players now in this class, but... 13 commitments uh, by July 4th, um, that, that's a different kind of thing for Illinois. What's going to be a, a bigger class, but probably around 20 or so. So they add Matt Fry's offensive lineman out of New Jersey, and they add Jared Beatty, who you and I, I think we all thought along that uh, Illinois was, was the leader there. But those are two really solid three-star gets at big positions of need in this class. Yeah, especially, especially Beatty, because up, you know, up until his commitment, they only had one other defensive commitment and that was Malachi hood. So to get a guy that they've long pursued, they've prioritized and to close out on him was big. I, I think he has a lot of upside. Um, you know, he's probably going to need to add some weight, but he's got a frame that can do it. And he's got really good athleticism for his size. So uh, for them to close out on that one, I thought that was really important. Uh, obviously offense has if they got, they have a lot more uh, commits on the offensive side of the ball right now, only two on defense. So, you know, I think they're turning their attention there. And unfortunately, a couple guys over the last couple of days uh, have chosen to go elsewhere, including the big one that you hinted at earlier. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll talk about some of those misses, but I do want to start uh, with these two players. And let's start with Beatty, since he is the, the in-state player. And I feel like he is an example, Ryan, of why in-state recruiting matters. Listen, he's not Austin Brown, who we're going to talk about, where Austin Brown had uh, most of the top of the Big Ten recruiting him, um, and that was a huge win for Wisconsin, and I, I can't blame a safety for wanting to go play for Jim Leonard or, or for, for playing for that program that defensively has been great. As a program, they've been really good for a really long time. But Jared Beatty had multiple Power 5 offers, a little bit of a tweener maybe for some teams, but for this Illinois defense, this new Illinois defense, it's going to be more of a 3-4 base. Yeah, they'll run some four-man front at some point, but you're looking at more traditional 3-4 outside linebackers, guys who can drop into coverage and rush the passer. And Jared Beatty at six foot five, 215 pounds, going to have to fill out, as you said. Uh, he's going to have to add strength. But he's got a really high ceiling at that position. But this is why in-state recruiting matters, because a bunch of his friends are coming here. Ian Pugh, he's known since grade school. Um, Alki Hood, he's known for a long time. He and Jordan Anderson are really starting to get to know each other these last couple of months. And all these guys, the pitch from Illinois was you can only play together at one spot. Why not make it here at Illinois? Why not all come together, turn this program around? And I don't know if they get Jared Beatty without Pew, without Malachi Hood. And you recruited them together and you recruited them together successfully. Yeah. And I don't know that you're getting him under this last staff. I mean, one of the first times we got a chance to really talk to Beatty after Brett Bielema came in, 
you know, it seemed like Beatty got a completely different vibe from this staff. He could sense that in-state recruiting was a priority and it mattered to them. And that, that difference, I think, really set the tone for that recruitment and got Illinois in a position early on, uh, you know, because they had some ground to make up. Uh, and it got Illinois in a position early on to, to take that, that lead spot in his recruitment and hold off some pretty good competition on the recruiting trail schools like Tennessee, Michigan state, Minnesota, they beat other power five programs that wanted them. And so, you know, I, for, for Illinois to come out ahead in that recruitment and to, to finally seal the deal there on July 4th, I think was big for them. Uh, and yeah, you know, he's coming with a lot of his friends. I think it helps build that camaraderie. It helps build that synergy that they're going to have and helps just build the presence in state, uh, when you're getting guys like Ian Pugh, Jared Beatty, uh, et cetera, Jordan Anderson, Malachi Hood. Yeah, so I, I did a little bit of research, and Illinois had one top 20 prospect the last three recruiting classes from the state of Illinois, and that was Keith Randolph. The last four recruiting classes, they have had three. That's Karan Taylor, Jordan Slaughter, Keith Randolph. They have three of the top 20 already. And, I, and I'm glad to see that Jordan Anderson is in that top 20 because I think he should be. Um, so you got Jordan Anderson, Ian Pugh, Jared Beatty. Even if it doesn't look like Ryan, unless they get a big flip later on in the process, they're not going to get a top 10 prospect, right? They, they weren't able to get Danny McGuire or Jacob Bostick or now Austin Brown. But there is progress. Maybe not as quick a turnaround progress as, say, getting an Iowa to Sumo for basketball. But this is, this is real progress that you hope with a whole recruiting cycle, you hope next year with Caden Fegan, uh, with Carnell Tate. I know he's not in state anymore, but he's a Chicago native. Malik Elzey, maybe some of those top 10 guys. Maybe you have more time. Maybe you have some wins on the football field, which, as you know, um, that, that is the biggest thing. That, that is impeding Illinois for the most part in recruiting is they don't win enough games and, and players want to go where they win games, get to the NFL and Illinois hasn't done either of those things very well here recently. So if Brett Bielema can help, you know, develop some NFL prospects, draft picks uh, and, and win some games this fall, plus you got a whole year of building a relationship, uh, maybe they can cash in. But I've always thought that 10 to 30 range in state, that's where they can make a lot of hay, and it is. They got seven of those guys, and they're still in the race for Aiden Lawfrey as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think that's the thing is they haven't been able to put anything on the field yet. So it's kind of a double-edged sword because, you know, right now they've got that they're still in that honeymoon phase where they they can sell sell opportunities, sell hey, it's going to be different, and then finally when the rubber meets the road in the fall, they've got to show progress. And I think that's the thing is if what gets put on the field this fall looks promising and it's trending in the right direction. I think this thing really ticks up, but you know, if they stumble out of the gate and it doesn't look good, I think they're going to struggle a bit and it's, it's tough. So that's why I think this fall is really crucial in that regard. But you know, next year when we're sitting there at the same point for the 2023 class, you know, you would, you would expect that they would have, because they've had more time to interact and, and develop relationships with these guys, they'll be further along and they'll start winning more of these battles, provided that what's on the field is at least showing some sort of promise. I have a comp, Ryan, uh, for, for this. And this is why I think Jerry Bates is a pretty good get. This guy was ranked a little bit higher. Uh, the offer list wasn't huge, though, for him. But I'm kind of thinking long edge rusher, kind of skinny-waisted, though. Maybe a better fit as a 3-4 outside linebacker. But I had a nice Illinois career. How about a Michael Buchanan comp for Jared Bates? I, I think we went to the same place. Yeah. So, that I mean, they're they're very similar. You know, a guy that probably looks like he could play basketball, and I think both of them did. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they've got that same frame, that kind of 
almost built like a, a lean tight end type frame, but you know, they've got that length. that's going to take them time to bulk up and both have NFL potential, at least from a, from a ceiling standpoint. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, the next one, I think this one kind of went under the radar because he's not a state kid. And I was pursuing other offensive tackles, but again, I mean, this guy was on your recruiting board. And if he's like three on your offensive tackle list towards the end of this, I think this is pretty impressive to land Matt Fries. Um, he's got good lineage here. His brother, Will Fries, was an all-Big Ten offensive lineman at Penn State, got drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in the seventh round. But also you put on the film, Ryan, and that, that's a good offensive lineman, a kid who can play tackle, good feet, plays physical. Uh, but if, if this is the end of their offensive line class, I think it's a pretty solid um, you know, punctuation here to, to a pretty good offensive line class that Hunter Whitenack I'm pretty high on. You know, Clayton Leonard, an in-state kid, and, and Joey Okla seems like a really good interior offensive lineman that fits what they want. Um, so what do you think about Matt Fries? Well, if if that's the one, like the guy that you're falling back to, and, and that's not no slight on him whatsoever. But you know, if if you're still getting a guy that has offers from Arizona State, Indiana, and several other Power Five programs, like that's a good place to be. And you know, looking at his film, there's a lot of a lot of good things on his film that that I liked when I watched it. You know, he's a really aggressive blocker. I think he's more in the mold of a run blocker than a pass blocker, but I think he does have some potential to pass block as well. Um, but, you know, credit to them. They, they saw the situation and bird in the hand is worth two in the bush went out, closed it out. And man, they are doing work in New Jersey. <laughs> they, they, they love them some New Jersey guys. So they got, uh, you know, Matt Fry's and New Jersey guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I think he'll fit in well. Um, there's obviously potential, an opportunity at the left tackle position moving forward before too long too. Cause I, you know, they're going to have a Darian Lowe's gone after this year, you know, does Julian Pearl slide over and play there. So there, there's definitely early playing time available at that position. If he can come in, get up to speed and, and take the bull by the horns. Yeah. And in that offensive tackle spot, I, I think they feel a lot better. Um, at least where I thought they would, they would have been Ryan because they have another year of Darian Lowe. Alex Palczewski still coming back from injury. So it'll be very interesting to see when he's able to come back. But they are very confident in Julian Pearl. Um, they loved what they saw. And I got to be surprised. I, I be honest, I was surprised with how good he was on the field. Like he was really, really competent last year. And when, when, to be honest with you, hearing from the staff a year ago, that the former staff wasn't sure what they had yet. And then they get him on the field and, uh, and he was impressive. But hear good things and you see good things out of Moses Opala. Um, man, all bus team. I mean, that, that looks like a, that doesn't look like an offensive lineman body. That looks like a WWE body. Uh, he's got on him and he's still got some refinement to do, but he's a physical blocker and Bart Miller seems to really like him. So maybe next year he, he's one of the guys, you know, Brody Wise Carver, is he an interior or an exterior guy, but they really wanted to tackle and, and they feel like Matt Fries fits that. I, I do think if Ryan Bear called them up today, you know, borderline four-star prospect and said, I want to come. They're taking him. Uh, if Patrick Kudis, who they're very high on, and Illinois made his top four, they're in the top four with Ryan Bear as well. If either of those guys call them, I think they take them. I, I just, you said it, um, a bird in the bush, right? A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Like that, that's where they were here. Like, I don't think they could pass on a, a, a nice power five prospect, solid power five prospect like Fries. 
Right, right. And, you know, I feel a lot better about Illinois' future at right tackle than I do about left tackle, but between Okpala and Pearl, they both looked apart. And But you still need depth. Like, that's the thing. Is you still need depth. And Matt Fries is a guy that likely won't have to be thrust into action right away, has some time to develop, and then by the time that he's ready to, to take the field and get in the rotation, he's going to be pretty good. So, you know, you've got that luxury of a year or two to get him ready and then, you know, slot him in, whether it's sophomore or junior year, slot him in there and, and, and let him go to work. All right, Ryan, I think the headline for most people with Illinois football recruiting was who they didn't land. So when we come back, let's talk about the impact of a defensive back they missed on and a defensive lineman. We'll chat about that next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. All right, Ryan, Illinois really made this a battle. And I, I give them a lot of credit, and I, I know Illinois fans don't want to hear about, hey, we, we gave a good try on this, but I think for a prospect the caliber of Austin Brown, a top six prospect in the state, four-star according to 24-7 sports, and I think a kid who could have made an immediate impact if he needed to, um, and somebody who really could have been a linchpin of the defense, but I can't blame a safety and a really good defensive player for wanting to go play for Jim Leonard who the NFL wants, but he seems to stay at Wisconsin and he wants to stay at Wisconsin, played in the NFL, has developed a lot of really, really good players back there. So Austin Brown is off the board to Wisconsin, but I don't know if there's anything more Illinois could have done. They got him on campus for two visits to bookend last month. Uh, they they made that big statement with that fishing trip down to Johnston City. Um, they've made downstate such a priority uh, they just came up short on this one, but I, I don't think it's anything that Brett Bielmer or his staff did wrong here. No, no. And honestly, they had to battle their way back into it just to begin with. So, you know, Wisconsin had been there a while and Illinois just got a late start with, you know, the coaching transition and everything. And, you know, it took a little bit to to start building that relationship when Bielema first got to town. But once they, once they really got in there, I thought they put the pedal to the metal and, and did everything they could to try and get him. It just didn't work out in their favor in the end. Now, you know, I don't see him flipping. I, no. you know, I don't, I don't think he'll change his mind. I think he's pretty well set with Wisconsin. Um, but I do think that this fall, you know, as I mentioned, if they have an opportunity to show promise on the field and show what that defensive scheme can be that, you know, maybe they get the next Austin Brown. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think that they've really got to, got to, you know, put that in play is, is go out there and show what you have scheme wise and just continue to, to follow the process. And eventually you will start landing guys like that. Yeah. To me, I look at Caden Fegan out of Arthur, like a downstate kid. They got in first, right? They offered him. They've gotten him on campus. Now he's, he's going everywhere. Rutgers is offered. He's gone to Notre Dame camps. Like, and he is an impressive looking individual about six, three, two twenty five. went to state in the long jump. Like he is, he is a fantastic athlete, but they got in early. They've developed that relationship. And now, can you show it on the field? Whether it's you know your your big running backs you want to use like Josh McCray or your running game, or if it's you know they want to put him at outside linebacker or something, what can you show on the field to get him excited to stay close to home? That's what that's what I'll be looking for. But defensive back is is an area right where where they're over right now. They they haven't landed a defensive back yet, and they're in on a lot of good players like. Jaden Mangum is a four-star prospect. I know you talked about out in Michigan. It was a surprise they got him for an official visit. I'd still think that's a long shot for Illinois based on you know, the crystal ball. Say West Virginia is the leader. Anthony Brown, Illinois made the final five for him. He's a top 500 prospect, would likely play safety. He took an unofficial to Illinois 
last month. Uh, he's making a decision later this month. I, I, I would say that's a little bit. Uh, the odds wouldn't say Illinois is a favorite there, but he did visit campus here, so we'll see what they can do there. And then they've offered a couple other guys, but they seem to have their priorities. And I wonder, you know, Corey Lambert, who's a New Orleans DB, they were he was supposed to take an official visit, but then that didn't work out. And is he a guy that they'd like to bring here in the fall? So it was be interesting because I think safety is now one of the biggest needs they have in this class. They do have Sidney Brown, Quan Martin, and Eddie Smith for multiple years of eligibility still. But that's a position, especially in a Ryan Walters, former safety defense, uh, I think is going to be really important for them. Yeah, I think, again, that's a, that's a position where they really need to establish some depth and they're going to need to get that in a hurry. Um, they brought in several defensive backs in the last class, um, but there's really not among that group. There's really not an impact guy that's going to come in right away and, you know, just take, take over the defense and be that quarterback of the defense back there. I think they've got some guys that that can be pretty good, pretty quick. Um, but you know, yeah, I like the corners. I like the corners Kinoto just brought in. Like, I, I think Daniel Edwards has a chance to be pretty good. I know you and I are both very high on Tyler Strain. I think Keontae Curry is maybe one of those guys who can play at mm-hmm. safety. Uh, Joriel Washington, I know some of that recruiting staff really, really likes more of a strong safety type. But, you know, there's some talent there, and I give Kinoto a lot of credit. I think that's where most of that talent in that kind of awkward class uh, relies in that, in that secondary. So I do think there will be some impact guys from there. Yeah, yeah. It's just as far as immediate impact guys, they're going to step in and get on the field this year. They just don't have it. Eddie Smith might be that guy. You know, right. you get a transfer from Alabama. There's a reason he wasn't seeing the field, and it's because he was playing behind a bunch of five stars. So, you know, he can come in and gets a new opportunity and, and possibly be that guy, but they're going to need several bodies at the position just because they're, they're now going to be throwing so many defensive backs on the field and playing this very aggressive kind of f- roaming, floating defense. Um, they're just going to need a lot of guys to rotate in and out. So, and yeah. the Big Ten's a physical league. Yeah. They're going to have to have guys that can come up and hit too. All right, uh, Felix Hickson, the three-star defensive lineman, uh, a former Illinois assistant, just landed him. Congrats to Jimmy Lindsay in South Carolina for landing a guy who I think is going to be a really good nose tackle uh, at the next level, just a big, really athletic kid. And that's another position, Ryan, where like you know they got a bunch of defensive linemen they're in on, but I think they're more on the the five technique guys like Sele Brown. I think I see more as is kind of a five or a three technique. Uh, and they, they seem to be doing really well with him. Brian Allen, um, you know, who's not now in Connecticut, but a, a Chicagoland native they're in on him. But I, I just thought Felix Hickson was that guy you put in the middle of, of your defense at that nose tackle spot after Roderick Perry and Calvin Avery leave. That's a big need position. And I, I loved who they offered Kenneth Grant, but then Michigan and Ohio state came in, um, there's not a lot of options outside of those guys. So that's probably a position that I think they might have to to widen the net because I think defensive line you, you feel okay about with, with Sed McConnell, Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, guys that are really young still but have some high ceiling, but nose tackle after you know Roderick Perry and Calvin Avery. I, I don't know, is it, is it Quentin McCoy? I, I don't know what you have there yet. Yeah, and that's that's the other concern I have is defensive line recruiting is going to be, especially on the interiors, I, I think really needs to be the new priority. You know, I, I don't think I'm really surprised that, said, or, um, that Felix Hickson committed to South Carolina. I kind of saw that one coming. You know, he, he showed a lot of interest in Illinois, had a good visit. It's just, you know, it's the SEC. I, I think South Carolina did a really good job there. He connected well. I was kind of surprised he didn't end up going to Georgia Tech. 
uh, for a while, but it seemed like uh, South Carolina really pulled away there at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned it like they, they are searching far and wide for, for nose tackles, but right now the, the menu is kind of, kind of short a uh, guy like Kenneth Grant. I mean, you could sell him almost immediate playing time after one year. Love that to, offer and, when they, when they made that, that's a big boy, but he moves incredibly well. His, so I'm not surprised. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, Michigan his, and Ohio State is, came in. Yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing there, though, is he's only ended up taking a couple visits, so he still has some visits left to go, and it doesn't seem like he's in a huge hurry to make a, make a decision. So, you know, maybe they circle back there. It'd be interesting to see how that one's progressed, and not a whole lot of news out of that camp. But, you know, that's a guy that I would definitely go back to. And then, yeah, you said it, you're going to have to widen your net and start looking elsewhere, kick kick the tires and see what you can come up with and what shakes out. And but that's going to be a position that they've got to get shored up. And most of the guys that are on the board right now really don't fit that spot. Like Sailor Brown and, and guys like that are more the, you know, three, four defensive end type guys. Um, And I don't think you really want to put another 40, 50 pounds on guys like that just to have them play inside. I'd I'd rather see those guys stick around the the weight that they're they're comfortable playing at. Sailor Brown looks great at about 260, 265 right now. And I think you try to you try to keep him there if you can, if, you know, if if they end up landing him. But yeah, kid who's rated a four star prospect, but he just doesn't seem to have that four star interest right now, uh, Sela. And maybe that's because he might be a little bit of a tweener for for people who run a four three you know four man front. Um, and that's why I think Illinois in in a three man that that can make a little bit more sense where you can kind of play your Jamal Woods role where you're two eighty two eighty five. Yeah, that's great. Penetrate. You know, hold an edge. Um, you're not going to be asked to. You know, be the pass rusher all the time, but um, that, I think that's a really good fit. That would be a really good get for for Illinois, and he's going to be making a decision soon because it feels like Louisville uh, isn't pushing that hard. But this could be a a big week ahead here, Ryan. Um, we're waiting on Aiden Lawfrey to make a decision. Everyone thought all along it's been Illinois and Iowa. Iowa leads the crystal balls, and I won't dispute that. Uh, I've never felt like it's been a given for Illinois whatsoever. And you know, Illinois always felt like Iowa would be really difficult to beat just because of their history of success with both running backs or if he wants to play safety there, uh, he certainly could fit there. Um, and Mike O'Reilly Ducker is all – got to be honest with you, I, I didn't think Illinois had a chance at him when they hosted him for an official visit. They kind of opened the door. And now Iowa State's taking another tight end. Iowa doesn't seem very confident, and it seems like an Illinois Auburn battle. And you know Riley Ducker is would be a third tight end in this class, but we know how important tight end is to this staff, and he is a very different tight end than than Henry Boyer, who's more of a jumbo guy, and and Owen Anderson, who's kind of made the transition from wide receiver to more of kind of a hybrid tight end. Yeah, and Riley Ducker is an interesting one to me because, you know, Illinois has slowly but surely worked their way into that recruitment because originally, you know, he had that top five or top six or whatever, and Illinois ended up bumping another school out to get in there. And then it came around time for official visits, and he gives Illinois an official visit, and they do a great job with him. And, he, you know, he's kind of in that Luke Ford mold. I don't think he's quite what Luke Ford is, but he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's at six, six, two twenty-five. looks like a, like a basketball forward can jump a really good runner, um, strong guy. You know, he plays with a little bit of a swagger too, but you know, what we saw in the spring game is that the tight ends are going to get used, uh, and in a multitude of different ways, you know, they bring in Max Rosenthal as a fullback as a grad transfer. 
um, probably like a jumbo H back type, but then you've also got guys like Ford and Barker that are going to get to run some routes a little further downfield. So they're going to find a variety of ways to involve the tight end. And I, I would have to imagine that that's the sell to Riley Ducker and the reason that he's listening and the reason he took a visit to Illinois. Yeah, and Brett Bielema likes to sell that Hunter Henry is the highest paid tight end in the league. He does that as, as often as he can. With all, Well, I don't know about highest paid, paid tight end, but he just got paid $40 million um, in, in the offseason. He, he likes to say that a lot. So uh, I, I would, too, if I were him. And, and I don't want to fail to mention Sean Miller, the IMG Academy wide receiver, is making a decision soon. Illinois is in his top list. But they do have three wide receivers. We thought it would be a three-wide receiver class, and – you know, after taking Ashton Hollins along with Ian Pugh and Hank Beatty. Uh, but I do feel like if, if Sean Miller wanted to commit, I do feel like Illinois w- would take him and, and, and figure it out, Ryan. Yeah, and he's a slightly different type of receiver yeah. than any of the other guys they have. And that that's the thing is he's got a versatility that he's not too much like Hollins or Pugh where you know he's a guy that can run a lot of those really, really good intermediate routes. He's not necessarily a deep threat guy, but he can stretch the field. But he's a guy that's just a, a real good – you know, run the middle of the field, find space in the zone, reliable hands, good overall athlete. And yeah, if he wanted to come, I, I guarantee they would take him because he isn't just a, a, a duplicate of another guy they've already got in the class. He brings something unique to the class and would give them another weapon in the passing game. All right, Ryan, I just want to kind of reset here. Uh, as we look at this class, as we've mentioned, the Baker's dozen that they have, number 38 in the country, Number 11 in the Big Ten. They're kind of in this. The, the Big Ten West is interesting because it's got no top 25 classes, but I think five from 28 to 41. And then you have Iowa and Nebraska that will catch up once they add more quantity. So there's really no separation. Um, then when you compare it to the Big Ten East that has four top 12 classes, uh, and I, I did the math, Ryan, the Big Ten East has 34 four or five star commits in the class of 2022. Can you guess how many the Big Ten West has combined? Four and five star? Yes. Uh, 34, four or five stars for the East. How many do you think the West has? I'm going to guess three or four. Five. Mm. And we wonder why the Big Ten East wins every... I mean, it's usually Ohio State, but I mean, Penn State and Michigan State have won it too. Well, yeah, Ohio State is the number one class in the country and they just added more guys. Penn State's number three. Yeah, Penn Rutgers State's been 10. on a heater this week. Yeah, Penn, Penn State's been on a heater this week. Ohio State just, I mean, they've added four and five-star guys in the last two days. So, I mean, they're they are just absolutely smoking right now. Michigan will be interesting because they always recruit well, but we'll see how well it holds together if things get rocky this fall. It's all relative, right? I mean, they do recruit well, but it's it's like Tennessee or in the, in the SEC. Like, Tennessee always recruits well, but you got to develop them and coach them well. And uh, in Michigan, I, I don't think they're – terrible coaches it's just when you're competing against ohio state and penn state with what those coaches are doing um it's all relative like if michigan were in the in the west man i think they'd have a couple conference championship uh appearances right like but it's it's a different animal uh out there in the east which is the good thing for bielmas he has a chance here but no top 700 prospects in this class yet ryan but a lot of guys you know i think half the class has multiple power five offers here what just what do you think uh, of what Brett Bielema has done during his first seven months with this class? Well, I think one of the things that stands out to me is they went out and they they got guys that are solid players. They didn't try to shoot for the moon and then miss and then have to scramble and, and just fill the class with a bunch of bodies at the end of the class. They they were pretty strategic about how they wanted to build it. I you know 
in typical Brett Bielema fashion, a lot of it's offensive line. He made sure that he got his offensive line taken care of. They got a quarterback that they like, um, and they got a, a bruising running back in Jordan Anderson that behind that offensive line that has that kind of smash mouth MO to it. I, I think they're, they're starting to craft an identity um, in it to implement it. I mean, everyone was wondering whether Bielema would try to implement bully ball. And I think they're going to still be very committed to running the football. I don't think that's ever going to change. That's just who Brett Bielema is. But I think with Tony Peterson, they're going to find a way to be a little bit more multiple, um, you know, find those opportunities to, to throw out a play action, to get the defense biting. Um, and I think what they've put together so far is, is pretty good. A lot tight end offensive line running back, mm-hmm. and then a couple defensive players. Yeah, I think defensive side of the football, they need to do a lot of work here. Like, like they got some targets still on the board. Maybe they want to evaluate a little bit more. And I, I do think offensively, they're taking more guys uh, in this class. And I do think partly because they want to start that identity, and, and partly because they have so many returners, the super seniors on that side of the ball, that they're going to lose here uh, coming up. So uh, offensively, I think they are forming that identity with big physical football players right that that do fit that kind of wisconsin arkansas style that that bioma has run before um the the one thing is i I think you're still looking for those elite level athletes and i think that's why ashton hollins made a little bit of sense for them right Or, or jared Beatty makes a lot of sense for them those are great tools to work with like ashton hollins four four six foot three could get to six four here um, and, and can take the top off a of defense, add strength to him, you know, refine him as a football player. And maybe you do have a higher ceiling than a lot of, you know, guys we've talked about that, that maybe are higher ranked. Um, but this is, this looks like a developmental program class, right? That we usually see at, at Northwestern, at even Purdue in recent years, outside of a couple of stars that they've gotten, Wisconsin, Iowa, right? A lot of times those classes are 30 to 45. And then they end up winning seven to nine to ten games a year. Um, so that's it. Seems to be the model. We'll see if Brett Bielema can make make it work at Illinois. But um, with all classes, you got to wait for some years to three or four years to kind of see where they're at. But I think it's kind of what I expected, Ryan. Maybe more heavy in state than I expected. But Brett Bielema at Wisconsin never had a top thirty class. So I, I don't think I came in expecting him to get a top thirty class, especially at this program that has a not very good reputation nationally. Yeah. I, I do think that the floor of this class is a lot higher. There, there's far less reaches. Um, and the guys that aren't ranked that high or maybe were unranked or didn't have a ton of offers still make sense for, for who, the ones they've taken. So like Jordan Anderson's you know, target, offer list made yeah. no sense to me. This made no sense to me. Well, fortunately for Illinois, they got in there before he yeah. blew, he, you know, had the season he had, and we've talked about this before, but you know, if they play a full season and he goes out there and goes crazy and, you know, maybe a 2000 plus yard season, I think he gets other, a lot more other offers. So um, the other thing that's interesting too, is if you look at the in-state rankings with this, the priority they put on the state of an overwhelming majority of the guys on that list are offensive players. It's just not a strong year defensively in state. You have a few stars, like you got Sebastian Cheeks who, you know, he looked at Illinois for a while and they got in there and they've got a connection, but just really probably got there too late. Um, and then Austin Brown and there's, you know, there's a couple other decent defensive players, but it's overwhelmingly offense this, uh, this year in state. So I'm sure that probably plays a bit of a part as to why the class is so lopsided is between offensive defense, but 
you know, I, I do like what they've done. They've gotten guys that are reliable takes, you know, they're, they're reliable players. They went out and closed out. They didn't uh, play slow ball or anything like that. And they, they're trying to get this done. You know, it's, and in a way too, it's kind of, let's get this, let's get these recruits on board and then start moving forward, building this, you know, rather than have a lot of uncertainty towards the end of the class and have to scramble. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what this month brings before training camp, Ryan, uh, how many more pieces they can add on board and then what the strategy is going into the fall, right? Because this has been a whirlwind of a summer now that they were able to recruit in person, but this fall, they can get back out on the road. They're limited, right? Because you know, they, they're, they got their own season to worry about, and the, the kids have their own season to worry about. But you get another evaluation opportunity with not only the younger classes but the senior class, and maybe you find some sleepers or maybe you win some games and starting to get in some battles. Like maybe a Jaden Mangum takes his recruitment a little bit longer or maybe somebody goes a little longer uh, than we expect, and, and, and Illinois can make a splash there. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see where they go after this. Before I let you go, Ryan, I uh, just want to get your thoughts. We had six transfers out. I, I'm not surprised there was uh, attrition after a new head coach comes in. Uh, it just took a little longer, and, and I'm wondering where all these guys end up. Not a lot of scholarships uh, out there, scholarship spots out there at other schools, but you know, Kyron Cumbie and, and James Frenchy are out. A, a bunch of offensive linemen uh, are out that, that were very deep on the depth chart, and then Trayvon Riggins and Anthony Shipton as well. So what did you think of that? Well, the the biggest loss from a depth standpoint is probably Shipton just because they're so thin at nose tackle, but the rest of them kind of make sense. Um, you know, especially like Frenchie and uh, Frenchie and Cumbie probably, you know, they're not really blocking receivers. Uh, Frenchie, I mean, great playmaker and Cumbie is fast as hell, but you know, how do they fit in this new offensive scheme? And if they don't fit, they're probably going to look for an opportunity somewhere else. Um, offensive line. And, and, and especially prob- especially with Isaiah Williams and Marquez Beeson moving to wide receiver, like, yep. you know, Isaiah's probably going to be a top option. Uh, Marquez, we'll, we'll see. But uh, Isaiah's blocking some playing time for those guys too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as far as the offensive linemen go, I mean, it kind of makes sense. They're bringing in a, a decent-sized offensive line class. Um, they're guys that – you know, look pretty good on film and could potentially be competition. And I think some guys just felt that it was best to, to take an opportunity elsewhere. Um, the defensive line guys, I mean, yeah, it's, that's depth lost and that's not good, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't really fit. You, you're changing your defensive front. And so maybe they don't feel like they fit scheme wise and they're being asked to do something that isn't, you know, really the best for, you know, how they play or their style of play or their fit. So I get it. And, you know, the other thing too, is it does relieve a little bit of the pressure as far as the roster number cap. So they've got some options now to possibly bring a guy or two in and, and the transfer portal still works both ways. There may be some guys out there that they could bring in to to try and fill some of those gaps that they, they have, if they feel like the recruiting cycle from a prep standpoint, the recruiting cycle is not giving them what they need. So, yeah, I think the guys that maybe surprised me based on what the last staff thought of them, um, and obviously it's a new staff, they think differently. Um, Kyron Cumby, I thought, was a guy that, that can make an impact. Uh, it's just this offense, I agree, is not probably the best fit for him. And Blaze Sparks was a guy that was traveling last year. Like Illinois, the last staff thought he was the the kind of future at right tackle after Palcheski and maybe Julian Pearl. And, um, you know, this staff thinks a lot differently, but they, they like what they've seen out of Pearl and, and Moses Akpala, as we've talked about. 
before. Like, like Frenchy's a high ranked player. I think he was really highly ranked early. Then he kind of stagnated. So I think that that ranking stayed a little higher than maybe it should have been. But he's still a really good prospect. Uh, but again, yes, in this offense, is he as good of a fit? Um, I, I wish all those guys well, and I'm, I'm interested to see where they all end up. All right, Ryan Easterling, uh, that'll do it uh, for for Illini football recruiting. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here. But uh, appreciate all the insight, my friend. Oh, thanks, man. We'll see how the uh, we'll see how the week plays out. Great stuff as always from Ryan Easterling. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, we will get you covered for Illinois basketball on. Tuesday's podcast. Going to chat with Derek Piper about the newest addition to the class of 2022, Sincere Harris. So, Illinois, um, boosted by quantity because there's not a lot of schools with multiple commits, but they currently have a top 10 recruiting class in the country with uh, two top 200 guards, Sincere Harris and Reggie Bass. Uh, but we will also chat about the Illini's action in the transfer portal, which includes going hard after one of the top transfers available in the portal in Dawson Garcia, kind of everything they've needed in that stretch four and a potential NBA draft prospect. He was already this year participating in the G league camp and looked really good, but also the pursuit of their own transfer. And that's Kofi Coburn, the biggest transfer to hit the portal a little bit surprisingly, but uh, he's the number one target for a lot of schools, including Illinois, to try and bring him back. So we'll talk to Derek about all of that on Tuesday's podcast. Give us a follow. You'll get uh, the podcast will pop up, update automatically to you. If you give us a follow, uh, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that as well. And, of course, check out IlliniInquire.com for all the latest information on Illinois basketball, football, and all the non-revenue sports as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.